welcome to Focus, the Catholic Answers podcast for living, understanding, and defending your Catholic faith. I'm Cy Kellett, your host, Carl Broussard, our guest this time. And we're going to talk a little bit about religion as it relates to men, because it does seem, I don't know the last time you were in a Catholic church, but that more women are taking seriously uh, the call to participate in the faith and to live the faith uh, than men. I, I, that might be a misimpression, but it certainly seems to be the case. It doesn't seem to be the case uh, at the synagogue. It doesn't seem to be the case at the mosque or at the Buddhist temple, but it certainly seems the case among Christians that we have lost some of the sense of the manliness of religion. And so we, uh, we thought, who should we ask? How about the manliest man that we know? Carla Roussard. Hi, Carla. Thanks for coming. Hey, Sai. It's great to be with you, brother. So uh, why are you a Christian if you're such a manly man? Like, is <laughs> <laughs> I am a Christian because I love Jesus. Man. Amen, brother. Amen. But even He's that. He's the risen Lord. I think that even that, um, the, some people see that as not uh, very manly uh, to love Jesus. So can, can you help us out with why it is manly actually to be religious, to embrace religious well, faith? Yeah, I think immediately answering the question that you just posed, if it were not a manly thing to be in relationship with Jesus, or it would not be a manly thing to be in love with Christ, well, then it would not be a manly thing to be in relationship with Jesus, as if somehow being in a relationship with someone is excluded from being a man, and in yeah. particular, in this case, a relationship with our Lord, who is God-made flesh. And this actually tees up nicely, Sai, this topic of the manliness of religion. I've been trying to think through this issue quite a bit, and so I'm basically just sharing with you some of the fruits of my thinking so far, and I do acknowledge that I need to think more about it. Oh, this is going to be a great episode. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got some half-formed thoughts from Carlo. <laughs> that's that's right. That's right. <laughs> okay, good. But I, I do think there's sort of a two-fold approach that we can take to this topic of the manliness of religion. One being from reason alone, sort of using philosophy to think through what religion is and the role man in the family, and that's what we're going to be focusing on here, man in the family as head of the family and the role he should play in acts of religion and it just religion generally, specifically for the family, but then also taking the approach by way of divine revelation. So reason and revelation here, I think, is the two-fold approach that we can take. So maybe perhaps we can start with reason and think through this issue of the manliness of religion. First of all, I think we can answer the question, what do, what do I mean by the manliness of religion? What I mean by that is that religion is essential to man in his role as head of the family. As head of the family, religion is essential to man. And so in that sense, I'm saying religion is manly because it belongs to his role to be a man in the family as head of the family. So you're saying he can't do his job as a man without religion. I, I would I would argue that, yes. Yeah. So without religion, he's limping along yeah. as a man in the family, as head of the family. He's not living up to the full capacity of his role as man in the family, as head of the family, right? Okay. Uh, these are assertions. These are claims. That's the thesis. That's sort of what we're going to be thinking through, but that's what I want to claim. And in that sense, I mean that religion is manly. Once you see... 
what man's role is in the family as head of the family. And we're going to have to establish that as well. Because that's a contentious uh, assertion there. Once we see what that role is, and then we see what religion is, well, then it becomes very clear that religion is essential to man in fulfilling his role in the family as head. Yeah, I got to tell you, both of those words, religion and manliness, are kind of unpopular words right now. Indeed, don't they like, are. So maybe we could start with religion, if you don't mind. Like, what is it? What do we? What do you mean when you say religion? Because I'm not going to know what you mean when I say when you say religion is manly if I don't know what you mean by religion. Yeah. So I think we can look to Saint Thomas Aquinas here to start us off. So what Aquinas says in his Summa Theologiae, the second part of the second part in question 81, Article One, he says something very interesting that goes against a modern conception of religion. So note how many people in modernity, when they think of religion, they think of it as something excluded from a relationship with our Lord, right? And with God. You know that famous video that came out, I I believe in relationship, not religion, or something like that. Or spirituality and not religion. Or Yeah, right. So there seems to be this common notion that relationship and religion are mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. But through... Uh, the way Aquinas views religion okay. and the Catholic tradition as a whole is religion denotes, as he says, properly a relationship to God. The Latin word that he uses is – the Latin phrase is ordinum ad deum, an order to God, a relationship to God. That's what religion conveys conceptually immediately and right off the bat, having a proper relationship to God, a proper order to God. And then he goes on to ground that order or that relationship, that directedness, right, to God. And of course, religion coming from uh, the, the Latin word, which means to bind together. So religion would entail this binding that we have, being bound to God by way of this relation on account of two things. Number one, God is the creator, so he's the source of my being. And then number two, he's the ultimate end goal to which all my choices should be directed. So he's the beginning, and he's my beginning and my end as creator. He's the alpha, he's the omega, he's the first and the last. So that's what religion right off the bat conveys, the idea of a proper relationship to God on account of him being my creator. Now, within that relationship, or from that relationship, from that binding to God or that order, there are certain actions or activities that, are, that come from it, that are fitting to it, that belong yeah. with the relationship, that are wrapped up in the relationship. And such actions would be acts of worship, where we worship God, where we adore God. That can be interior, where in my heart I'm adoring God, like in, you know, in my mind, my heart and my mind, I'm lifting up to God, giving him the proper honor that is due to him as my creator. That's sort of the invisible act of religion or worship. And then a visible act where we would offer sacrifice. And for us as Christians, it would be the sacrifice of the mass, given the supernatural revelation of the Last Supper and the Eucharist and all of that good stuff. But notice how these are activities that are befitting of this order or relationship that I have with God on account of him being my creator. Analogy, whenever man and woman become bound to each other by way of marriage, 
man becomes husband, woman becomes wife. There are certain activities that are wrapped up in that relationship right. that arise from the relationship relating to each other in a proper way as husband and wife. Right. And you can fill in the blank with those different sorts of activities. So too in this relation that we have with God on account of him being our creator, there are certain actions that arise from that relationship, namely acts of worship, that would be one. And these acts of worship not only express that God is my origin, that from which I come in my existence, right? Like yeah. God created me, but also by virtue of these acts of religion in the relationship, they're ordering me properly, directing me to achieving my ultimate life's goal, which is friendship with God. So they're yeah. fostering the friendship, right? They're fostering me achieving my life's goal of friendship with God. And then, of course, given Christian revelation, ultimately at the end of my life, heaven. So notice that's what we mean by religion. And so contrast that with the modern view of religion, like religion is not a relationship. Nothing could be further from the truth if we look at relationship through the lens of St. Thomas Aquinas and what he's presenting us here, that religion is this proper relationship with God yeah. in yeah. which there are certain actions that I engage in that are befitting of that relationship, to express the relationship, to foster the relationship, wow. to strengthen the relationship. Right. And because those acts of religion are bringing about me being a good human being and being good, we call it a virtue, religion, the virtue, the of, virtue religion. of religion, yes. where I am doing the things befitting of this relationship that I have with God, which constitutes my good, my goodness, right? It's perfecting me. It's helping me flourish as a human being. And, and to engage in behaviors that are ordered to perfecting me and to have a habit of doing so, that's what we call virtue. And so this is why we can call religion, look at religion as an act of virtue or a virtue in virtue of which I can engage in these sorts of activities. Again, befitting of the relationship that I have with God on account of him being my creator. And all of these actions of religion, acts of religion, worship, adoration, uh, giving reverence to God, and even learning about God, right, can be an act of religion. And and also Aquinas identifies an act of religion as preserving myself free from sin. So avoiding sin, yeah. like avoiding offending God, avoiding offending the relationship, yeah. that's considered an act of religion as well. So it's not just confined to an act of worship. It's also including living my life in a way that's consistent with this boundedness I have with God. Yeah. This order I have to God, this relationship I have to God, just like I got to live consistently with my relationship with my wife. <laughs> yeah, I can't right. be going around doing things that are inconsistent or conflict with that relationship. So too in this relationship with God, because he's my creator and I'm the creature, yeah. he's my origin, he's my end, my first, my last, my beginning, my end, I got to live in a way that's consistent with that relationship. And when I do so, whether it's doing something consistent with the relationship or avoiding something in order to be consistent with the relationship, those are acts of religion as well. Okay. Helping me achieve my perfection as a human being. Okay, so and, and then with that understanding of religion in mind as the properly ordered relationship with God, yeah. if, is, is that a good summary? Yeah, that, okay. absolutely. Then, uh, then you say, I cannot 
under I can't undertake my manly role. I can't undertake my do my job as a man without primarily that, in the focus in the family without that without that virtue of religion. Absolutely. All right, yes. Get me there. All right. So let's start with um, man in the family, the father being the head of the family. All right. So I want to start with this idea that the father is the head of the family. Now, why would I say that? Why would we say that? And I think we can know this by reason and revelation. So if we start with reason, consider this. St. Thomas does this. And I'm looking to Aquinas as my guide here. And I, it makes sense to me. Say what you think, Sai. Man is the principle of generation. Okay? Okay. Like if you look at man and his biological makeup and what is required to bring about generation yeah. and thus the life of the family, you got to have man. Man is the principle. What is a principle? That from which everything else flows. Okay. Sort of the source, the beginning. Yeah. The life of the family finds its beginning, its principle in man within the conjugal act. Right. Man initiates, the seed comes forth from man and the woman receives the seed. Mm -hmm. The life of the family begins and comes from man, I, and that's inscribed in our very biological makeup, okay? I just got to say something real quick yeah. about that, because modern people do not think with the church on this, that the that biological reality is not just um, superfluous. It's, it's about, like, I, because they think we're spirits that are stuck in bodies, kind of. I think the modern people- The body's modern, just a, a but, car that the driver is driving. But that's not a truly Christian understanding of the human body. The, the human body- is th that thing which is made up of body and soul. And so it's we don't say the, the body is just kind of superfluous to the soul. So it's the soul of my body. It's, this is the body that... The body is, is informed by my soul, yeah. the both of which constitute... Me. Me. Okay, the so substance. I got to say that because a lot of people will listen and go, well, well, what does the biology have to do with it? Biology has to do with it because that's what you are. You that's right. You are I, your body. I'm not just my body. I'm not just my soul. I am both yeah. my body and my soul. So the, 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 body, the, the body is pregnant with meaning and it, right. it's, it's charged... Right. Right, yeah. with a meaning that's relevant to who I am right. as an individual member of the human race. All right, I just want to establish that while sure you're, you're making that point about it's the the body of the man from which the 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 family begins. The family has right. its origin. Man is the principle of the life of the family. Man is the principle right. of generation. Generation constitutes the life of the family. So man is the principle of the life of the family. Okay. Yeah. Inasmuch as man is the principle of the life of the family, he is head. Why? Because the idea of a principle entails headship. And here's what Aquinas reflects on. He says, look, if we look at the body, what is the principle of the movement of all of the body parts within the body? It's the head. You chop off the head, do you have movement in the body parts anymore? No. <laughs> no. And if there's anything, is it like accidental and it's not coordinated or anything, it's just like a flop, right? So the head, Aquinas says, is the principle of the proper movements of the body parts, mm -hmm. okay? Yeah. So Keeps if, us breathing, keeps us... Keeps that's right. So the, if, yeah. we, if we use the head as our metaphor, we can see that just as... Head is principle of the proper movements of the body parts. The, f the, the, the man in the family 
is the principle of the life of the family, of the proper movements of the life of the family. So we can apply the metaphor of headship or head to the man and the family because man is the principle of the life of the family. Now, if man is head of the life of the family, well, then he is also governor of the family. How so or why? Because to govern is to direct something to its due end goal, to direct something to its appropriate goal. Okay, so think of a coach. A coach governs the team. Why? Why is he a governor of the team? He's also head of the team, right? Why? Because he's directing the members of the team to their appropriate goal, victory. Uh, and so that Aquinas would use the example of a, a, the captain of a ship. He is head of the ship. Why? Not only because he's principal, you know, the proper movement of the ship and the functioning of the ship is coming from him, mm -hmm. but also he's directing the crew of the ship and the ship itself to its appropriate destination or its goal. So to be a principal entails headship. To be a head entails governance or directing something to its appropriate end. So if man is principal of the family, then he is head. If man is head of the family, then he's governor of the family, which means his role as head of the family is to direct the members of the family to their appropriate destination. Oh, and I know what that is from where we started. That's right. Yeah. It's God. It's God. It's friendship yeah. with God. Yeah, right. right. Yes. So if that's the case, then whatever, think about this, whatever's essential to man fulfilling his role as being governor or director of members of the family to their appropriate destinations, man's got to use it. So, for example, you don't send a soldier into battle. A general is not going to send his soldiers into battle without what is necessary for soldiering. Yeah, right. That would be absurd. Go fight the war. But hey, you're left to your own devices. I'm not going to give you any weapons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? Right. Assuming that's a just war here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. But so notice, whatever is essential to functioning properly, you got to use that stuff, right? So if man is governor, as head of the family, he's governor. He's got to direct the members of the family to their appropriate destination. He needs to be using whatever is necessary to direct his family to their appropriate destination. Is religion and the acts of religion necessary for the members of the family to achieve their appropriate destination of, of friendship with God? It is. Yeah. Because that's what religion involves, the proper relationship with God and all of the activities that arise from that relationship. And so if I know as, as head of the family, I got to be the governor of the family, I got to be directing the members of my family to their appropriate destination, friendship with God, and I know that religion and the acts of religion are essential to the members of my family achieving their appropriate destination, well, then I got to be leading the members of my family, directing them in the actions of religion, the acts of religion, so that they can achieve their appropriate destination. So by way of analogy, the coach of the football team, he's got to be leading the members of the team in the activities necessary to achieve the goal of victory. So he's got to be saying, boys, get on the field, and we're going to be practicing for two hours. Run your sprints, do your drills, go to special teams, defensive court, you know, defensive team, offensive team, it's run the plays. The coach has to be directing them in those activities. 
in order to achieve the end. If he were not, if he were to just say, eh, whatever, let's just have a free day and we'll just hang out or whatever, will they ever achieve the destination of victory? Absolutely not. No. So two, I as a man, as the principal of the life of, the, of my family, therefore as head of my family, and as head of my family, I must be governor of my family, directing the members of my family to their appropriate destination of relationship with God, knowing that the acts of religion are essential to them achieving that destination of friendship with God, proper relationship with God, then I need to be directing them in those acts of religion, which means I need to be directing them in worshiping God, offering Him the sacrifices of their lives, blood, sweat, and tears, and in a supernatural way, going to the Holy leading them to the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, which is the ultimate form of worship of God directing them. Remember I said that Aquinas views acts of religions as uh, acts of religion as avoiding sin, say? I need to be directing the members of my family to avoid sinful behavior lest they be outside of the proper relationship with God. Yeah. And so that is my role as man. And so I conclude religion is manly, right? To be a man in the family, and thus head and governor of the family, religion and the acts of religion are absolutely essential for me to fulfill that role as man in the family, as head of the family, and thereby as governor of the family, directing them. So notice, Sai, this view of man's role in the family as head, this is not one of tyranny, of lording one's authority over others. It's an authority of service. Yeah, the so whole role of the man in the family is to serve the members of the family by directing them to what is their appropriate in friendship with God. Amen. So it's a leadership of service, not one of being served. Now, okay, so the, this the, you told us you were going to do two things, and this is the, the kind of the philosophical yeah. grounding for this whole argument. I'm, but, one, one point before you move on. Yeah. Uh, notice how in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 23 through 24, this would be a path of revelation to show that man is head of the family. St. Paul teaches us that man is head of his wife, as Christ is head of the church. If he is head of wife then he is head of family because the life of the family comes from the relationship between the husband and wife. And as head, that just simply implies that role of leadership and governance in the life of the family within the, prop within the relationship. So having that proper ordered relationship between husband and wife leads to the proper ordered relationship of the man and the family towards the other members of the family. So that would be by way of revelation to show that man is head of family. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about. Is this in the Bible as well? Oh, is yeah, it, yeah. It, you so know that, if the question yeah. is, is it is is man's headship in the Bible? Yes. I okay. thought you were going to move on to the path of revelation in order to see the manliness of religion, generally speaking. Ah, yeah. Okay. That, that is more generally what I yeah. want to do. Yeah. So the, the idea is that here we have the philosophical underpinning of the uh, manliness of, of religion. Of the manliness of religion. But is that the same story that the Bible tells, in yeah. other words? Right, that, right. That's what I want to get to. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's it's super cool to think about it. We do – the answer is yes. We see that men and the major male figures within salvation history are the ones who are leading and directing the family of God in acts of religion. 
to foster the proper relationship to God, which we call religion, generally speaking. So we could look at Adam, you know, the whole uh, scriptural exegesis of the creation story of seeing the garden as an, uh, or seeing the world as a macro temple and seeing the garden as the inner sanctuary and Adam being the priest of the inner sanctuary where God tells him in Genesis chapter 2 uh, to till and keep the garden. Those two Hebrew words, many biblical scholars point out how when they're combined together elsewhere in the Old Testament, they're used in reference to Levitical priests. Oh. keeping watch over the temple and the temple furnishings mm -hmm. and performing priestly duties, signifying that Adam, the man, the head of the, the life of the human family as a whole, and then the relationship with Eve and their children is priest. So Adam is seen to be priest. Noah, what does Noah do right after the floodwaters subside? Genesis 8.20, he builds an altar. And he offers sacrifice to give thanksgiving to God, to worship God. And it's Noah who leads the charge. He's at the helm in leading his family in liturgical worship and worshiping right. Almighty God. This act of religion, namely worship. Melchizedek, Genesis chapter 14, he's offering sacrifice of bread and wine. He's called a priest of the Most High God in Genesis 14, 18. So... Again, a manly figure who is priest, yeah. liturgical worship associated with the man leading the way. Abraham, he's paying tithes to Melchizedek. That's a religious action, according to Aquinas, paying the tithes. He, uh, he, he leads the covenant sacrifice in Genesis 15. Remember cutting the sacrificial victim in two in the pillar of fire, crossing, crossing through the yeah. two pieces? And that was sort of the covenant-making ceremony between Abraham and God. Abraham's leading the charge there in this ratifying ceremony of the covenant with God. Moses, oh my gosh, I, have, I could go through like eight different things, but the bottom line... If you read the story of Moses and the life of Moses in the Old Testament, what is he doing? He's leading the people of God in liturgical worship. The very point of leading them out of Egypt, according to Exodus 3.12 and 8.27, is for the sake of worship. That's, That's the right. whole purpose. Yeah. Get them out of Egypt so that my people can worship me, God says. Yeah. And who's at the helm? Moses, leading the fray, leading the people of God to worship God. And then, of course, as we read the, the narratives, Moses leads the people of God in actual acts of religion, yeah. in worshiping God. He's providing the law of God, teaching them how to live their life in a way that's consistent with the relationship with God as their creator. And it's Moses leading the way. Moses brings down the 10 plagues. Why? To show that the pagan deity, Egyptian deities are false, and the true God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he's instructing the people of God about God himself, yet another act of religion. And of course, building the tent and the dwelling place in which sacrifice is offered, appointing Aaron and his sons to be priests in order to minister to the Lord and engage in these acts of religion. And finally, we can look at David. David performs priestly functions when he's in the presence of the ark. He's dressed in a priestly garb. He's offering cakes as sacrifice. He's blessing the people. And then ultimately, we look at our Lord himself, Jesus Christ, who is the high priest in going to the temple for liturgical worship. And then ultimately, Sai, 
I would say this. Not only do we see these male figures in salvation history leading the people of God in acts of religion, liturgical worship, acts that are appropriate for the relationship that we have with God, but ultimately we see the Son of God becoming man, not just in the general sense of taking on a human nature, which is the incarnation, but becoming male, a human being, a male human being. And what does Jesus do as man, as male? He leads the entire human race back to God. Right. Puts the entire human race back into relationship with God, and he does it as male. And so I, as a male, as head of my family, I look to our Lord, and what was his primary role? To unite the human family back into relationship with God. And I see that my role as male in my family is to unite my family, guide and lead and direct my family into relationship with God. And so I look to our Lord himself as the primary model, the example par excellence of what it means to be a man in the family as head. I got to be leading them to their ultimate destination, which is God. And so by way of revelation, we even see that religion is essential to the role of man within the local family or within the broader family of the people of God. It's extraordinary that if I uh, take on this manly view of religion, then so many of the things that ail men today disappear. I mean, you think of like, what's the probably, I mean, one of the primary sins of men today is is treating women as objects, right. you know, of, of objects of pleasure. And, and, and the man who has this view that that my life is ordered to God as an end, right. and I am meant to lead others to God, can't treat women like that. You, Absolutely. You, I mean, could, but, but could fall into that, but I'm not saying like metaphysically it's, it's can't. It's inconsistent. But, but it would be inconsistent with who he is. With who he is yeah. as man and the relationship that he has with God as his ultimate end, as right. his creator, his beginning and his end. It would be inconsistent with the relationship that the woman he's treating inappropriately, right, right? in her relationship with God. And so one who has this view is going to do what he can, of course, by God's grace, we know as a Christian, to avoid those behaviors, Right, we call it sin, that are inconsistent with the proper relationship I must have with God as my creator, inconsistent with the right. virtue of religion, right? right. So he's not, he's not uh, as many men are today, um, inordinately violent. He's not an, an, uh, in, uh, just a consumer. He's not an inordinate consumer. He's, he's not uh, just a workaholic because none of these things would comport with living a life in which God is the beginning and the end. That's right. And that my manly role is to help others to get to that end. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. once we have that order, you know, as I, as I study St. Thomas Aquinas and I think through all these philosophical issues, like if I were to describe, I often think about this. If somebody were to ask me, what, how would you sum up Aquinas' whole metaphysical thought? <laughs> it's order. It's having proper order to the due end, yeah. the proper destination, right? right? It's all about order. Listen, if you play the game of soccer, you need to follow the rules of soccer. You play the game of football, you follow the rules of football. You play the game of basketball, you follow the rules of basketball. You play the game of human, which we're all in because we're human. We need to play the game of human. Yeah. What's involved in the game of human, of being a human? 
God is my origin. God is my end. Because I've come from him. He's given me existence. And I'm ordered to him as my ultimate destination in which I find my completion, my perfection of winning the human game. Yeah. And once we have that order, that relationship established, I'm related to God in these ways. Once I have that order established, then I'm able to see what fits and what doesn't fit. If I play a football game and I take that football and I start trying to bounce it, does that fit with the order of football and the game of football? No. no. I need to be playing the game of basketball. Or if yeah. I go in the game of basketball and I take the basketball and I punt it, <laughs> kick yeah. it across the court, does that action fit in the order of basketball and the game mm -hmm. of basketball? Absolutely not. Similarly, once I have that order of this relation to God as my goal, as my origin, and as my end— and I realize that you have that same relationship with God as your origin and your end, and especially the members of my family, I'm able to see which behaviors fit within the order, yeah. which activities fit, right. and which activities don't. And as a man in the family, as head, as governor of the life of the family, I need to be, I, I need to be engaging in and leading the members of my family in those activities need to be directing them and those activities that fit within that order. Yes. And helping them avoid the activities that don't fit in the order. If yeah. we're playing the game of basketball, you start punting the basketball, what am I going to do? Sigh, as your coach, I'm going to say, sigh, stop kicking the ball. Right. Play the game of basketball like it's supposed to be played. We have this order to God, the game of being human. My children start behaving in ways that are not appropriate or fitting for that order. I say, kids, knock it off. Right. right? Play the game of human rightly. Yeah. Succeed in the game of human. <laughs> engage in the activities fitting of this proper order to God. Right. Worship him. Engage in behaviors that are consistent with his design for human happiness, especially when it comes to sexuality and other areas. And then you'll be playing the game of human appropriately and hopefully succeed in winning that game of being a human by living the virtuous life, by doing what is good for us as human beings, and hopefully, by God's grace, achieve the supernatural end of the beatific vision of seeing God face to face. All right. At the, at, 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 uh, just kind of, um, giving into the fear here that we might be leaving out, uh, someone important. Uh, <laughs> who could it be? Women. Women. Uh, is there a womanliness to religion as well? Yeah, absolutely. Because notice how we've been emphasizing this aspect of this relation to God by way of governance. Yeah. of directing ourselves and others to their ultimate destination. Given that man is head of the family, that's very fitting for him to be directing members of the family to their ultimate de destination, which is friendship with God, and that involves acts of religion. But there's another aspect of the relationship that maps on with woman, given her biological makeup in the conjugal act, right. and that is to receive the seed. So in the relation with God, we not only direct something to their appropriate end, ourselves and others, but there's also a reception. Yeah. Because we're receiving from God that which is appropriate for us as human beings to perfect us, the good yeah. things that God gives us. In and our if we lives. don't, we got nothing. That's right. Yeah, right That's right. Because yeah. it all comes from God. So in as much as we're setting our sights on the receiving aspect of this proper order to God or relationship with God we call religion, then that would map on with women. And so you have the womanliness of, of religion, religion. Yeah. 
uh, that that is appropriate and something to be emphasized. Now, that is not to say man cannot receive, nor am what I'm saying in this conversation is women cannot direct. Of course, they're supposed to be directing, but notice how St. Paul says, women be submissive to your husbands, yeah. be under the role of husband. Man has the primary role of directing members of the family to their ultimate destination. And as Pope Pius XI and Costi Canubi said a long time ago, when man fails, yeah. woman's going to take his place. Woman woman can take his place to direct members of the family. But man, happening everywhere Absolutely. Now, but man has the primary role, and then the woman submits to that role, is in unison with that role of directing, and does it with him. That's why, as... Genesis said, man created Eve to be a helpmate or a helper of Adam. Woman is to assist man in achieving his role to direct members of the family to their ultimate destination. Mm -hmm. So it's not man apart from woman, it's man with woman. Right. Man needs woman to fulfill his role of being the head of the family because he needs that counsel. Listen, I ain't perfect. I don't make... A lot of times my wife gives me insights and counsel that I never considered before. And I'm like, yeah, my idea stinks. Let me go with your idea yeah. and implement that idea for the life of the family. So man does need woman in that sense. But man needs woman to teach him how to properly receive because it's just built into women to receive in a natural way. That's what they do in the conjugal act. They receive the seed that you know, that which is going to generate life, and then they foster that life within, as opposed to man going out of himself. Woman is focused on the interior mode of the life of the family, right? Because yeah. she's generate, she's uh, uh, nourishing the child within the womb. So woman can teach man how to receive properly in this relation with God. This is why for us as men, we can't just be always directing. We got to sit quiet in prayer and receive from God those graces and the good things he wants to give us uh, in, in prayer, in silence, right? And women do that sort of naturally because they're just hardwired to do that. And they can help us men do that as well. So indeed, by emphasizing the manliness of religion, by no means do we intend to exclude the womanly aspect of religion. We're just trying to emphasize the manliness of religion because that is the aspect of religion that has been lost to a great degree in the popular consciousness right. of right. popular Christianity. It's not lost in the church's teaching, but it's no, lost. But where's the men in the church? That's right. Yeah, Amen. that's exactly right. Um, so take up the manly challenge of, of uh, being a disciple of Jesus and living a, a life of religion. Amen. Is, and leading your family in that life of religion. Yeah. Uh, just so you know, my basketball coach uh, encouraged me uh, to play another game. <laughs> he said, I, I don't think basketball is the game for you. So see if you can find something else to play. But in the game of human, yeah. well, you can't get out of that game, but no, that's you're right. either going to stink or you're going to do it well, but you can't get out of it. Uh, that is correct. Uh, thanks, Carlo. Thanks very Thank much. Thank you, Sai. And thanks for everybody who listens uh, to Catholic Answers Focus. If you'd like to communicate with us, send us an email. Focus at Catholic.com is our email address, focus at Catholic.com. And as I pretty much say every time, if you'd like to support us financially, because it does cost a little bit to do this, uh, you can do so by going to givecatholic.com. Maybe leave a little note there that says uh, this, is, this donation is for Catholic Answers Focus. Uh, and uh, if you're wherever you're listening, whatever podcasting service or wh wherever you, uh, you're getting this, uh, if you give us that 
five stars, maybe a nice review, a few kind words, subscribe, do all those things. That helps to grow the podcast. Thanks for taking this time with us. I'm Cy Kelly, your host. We'll see you next time, God willing, right here on Catholic Answers Focus. Mm -hmm.